Welcome to the Queer Family Podcast, the show all about family, but with gay, as we like to say. (laughs) My name is Jamie, and I'm your host. And if you don't know it already, you are tuning in to the Queer Family Podcast Pride Extravaganza. What is that? What is that, Jamie? I'll tell you. Don't worry. I'm here for you. The Queer Family Podcast Pride Extravaganza is a month-long celebration of all things queer families. For the entire month of June, which kicks off today, June, it's Pride, y'all. For the entire month of June, which is Pride in many parts of the world, we are pushing out double the episodes of Queer Family Goodness. What does that mean? That means instead of just one weekly episode on Mondays, you're going to get two weekly episodes, one on Monday, one on Thursday. This here's your Thursday one, and it's a good one, y'all. It is a good one. Before we before we get into this guest for today, I just want to make sure that y'all know what today is because we talked about it on Monday, but I'm not sure if you haven't listened to Monday's episode with Mombian, the blogger and the change maker of queer families, like from like almost 20 years ago and still going strong. You need to go do that right now. Today is LGBTQ Families Day, which was started back in the day by Mombi and herself. What is LGBTQ Families Day? That is the day that we queer folks plaster social media with all things beautiful about queer families, all things. So if you got a photo of your family, if you have a video, if you want to say something about it, now is the day to do it. Today's the day, y'all. And when you do it, you're going to hashtag LGBTQ Families Day. You should also just tag the Queer Family Podcast wherever you post it, because we are going to throw anybody who tags us up in our stories so that we just plaster, plaster, plaster social media with queer family beauty. I absolutely love it. And I love seeing all your families, obviously. And I'm going to share some stuff with my family too. And let's just show the world how freaking amazing we are. Can we please? Can we? Thank you so much. Let's do that. Okay. Let's get into our guest before I bore you too much. Okay. Stacy freaking Stevenson. I had to add the freaking in there because I add the freaking every time it's somebody that I think is like way too big for my britches. Stacy Stevenson is the CEO of Family Equality. If we're talking change maker, this woman is a huge change maker and she is making a difference for the lives of so many queer families worldwide. Like she's doing the work, y'all. I'm just, I'm here, you know, making a podcast and telling stories. Stacey Stevenson is doing the work and I feel so privileged and honored to have been able to interview her. And also I met her in person recently because I went to the Family Equality Gala and I was a little bit starstruck, not going to lie, because she's also really beautiful. And she said the speech that was like very powerful and like I was ready to like jump out of my seat and like applaud. It was like that. I think that I might maybe have like a little crush on Stacey Stevenson. Don't tell my wife. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> 
she's kind of bomb. Not going to lie. She, I hope she doesn't listen to this. Well, that's okay. Yeah, Stacey, you're just gorgeous on the inside and out. And so um, she comes on and she tells her story about how she got her beautiful family. Oh my God, it's going to give you the feels. It's a good one. So I want to roll this tape, but before we roll the tape for Stacey, don't forget to follow me on all the socials, the Queer Family Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. On YouTube, you're going to get video episodes of all of these episodes, and they are edited video episodes, and they are beautiful. So if you like to watch your podcast, head to our um, YouTube channel right now and start watching it because it's really fun. And also you can join my Patreon at patreon.com slash the queer family podcast. That's where you're going to get bonus content. You're going to get the video episodes dropped a day early, all kinds of stuff. And I have various tiers there that start at just two bucks a month. You can pay for the full year up front or you can pay monthly. It's all up to you. Just go to patreon.com slash the queer family podcast to join. And don't forget about our merchandise. The Queer Family Podcast merchandise store is available at tpublic.com slash the Queer Family Podcast. You can also find it on our website at thequeerfamilypodcast.com. So go, you know, represent, support. It's pride, y'all. Get the rainbows on or not if you don't want to. You don't have to wear, wear rainbows. That's okay. I personally love rainbows, so I'm going to be wearing a lot of rainbows this month. Anyway, okay, it's time to roll the tape. I love you all. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy Stacy's episode. All right, Helen and Beulah, my fake assistants, because I'm alone here and I have nobody to talk to. Go ahead and roll that tape, ladies. Thank you. <laughs> Queer Family Podcast. Love is love. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Jamie. It is really a thrill, a thrill to have you here. I've been very excited for this. And so thank you so much for coming and talking to the Queer Fam Squad, as thank I'm starting to call them. Yeah. Um, so Stacy Stevenson, if you don't know who Stacy Stevenson is, I think you live under a rock. But in case you don't know, I think it's, why don't we just jump right into it? Stacy, give us your 30-second elevator pitch of who you are and why you're here. And I'm going to put this little timer up, but don't you, don't you fret. Don't you fret. I will never cut you off. And, and I, you could do the whole episode and I'll never cut you off. So here we go. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. On your mark, get set, go. Okay. I'm Stacy Stevenson and I am a mother. I'm a foodie. I love music. And I am also the chief executive officer of Family Equality. I am a native Texan and I live in Washington, D.C. with my beautiful wife, Cherilyn, and our eight-year-old twins, London and Duke. And I am here because I have a queer family. And what's better to talk about on a Thursday afternoon than queer <laughs> family? So that is why I am here. That was amazing. And that was under time. You, you did that. You are media trained, Stacey. You are media <laughs> trained. Good job. Can you explain to everybody what family equality is? Because I need everybody to understand the importance of you being here right now. Like this is a big deal. So can you explain family equality to our listeners and why they should know what's going on with family equality? I, I think the easiest way to explain is that we exist to first create a better world for LGBTQ plus families. And we were founded in 1979. We were first called the Gay Fathers Coalition. And these, these brave dads that attended the first gay lesbian march in Washington, actually moving out of their, their heterosexual marriages after finding their truth, because you can imagine what it was like to come out in the 70s, 
But after finding your truths, they had children Mm. and they still wanted to be fathers and father their children. And they found each other in community at the, the, the March in Washington and created the Gay Fathers Coalition, which is now Family Equality. And they were actually uh, being denied access to their children back then. And they were they were not going to let that happen. They were mm. finding the truth, but they were also saying, we are fathers, we are parents, just the same, and we are going to parent our children. And they they found this beautiful organization, which 40-something years later, and here we are. Yeah. And the same rights that they were fighting for back then, 40-something years ago, is why we still exist, is why it's important that we're here. Because in 2022, or some, sorry, 2023, right. family equality is uh, still not um, something that we all experience. The, the idea of equality for all families is not something that we're experiencing here in, in America. So we advance rights for LGBTQ plus families. We ensure that people who want to create families can create families via legislation and removing economic barriers and, and legal barriers. And we also help families find community and sustain their families. What better way to, um, you know, connect with people than to find community. And we help people do that and connect queer families together. Oh my God. You're doing the good work. This is like, this is a perfect marriage. So everybody who listens to this podcast needs to definitely pay attention to what's happening with family equality and go and follow all the things and be part of that community as well, because like you said, Stacey, it's not equal. There's a reason why, like, I just tell the stories. I just gather stories and throw them out there, right? But there's a reason why my platform needs to exist, why family equality is still exists in existence. There's still work to be done. So much work to be done. And new, and new crazy fights are popping up every month, it feels like. It's like... Every month. You know what's interesting, Jamie, is we are seeing hearing the same rhetoric that we heard in 1979. And so one of the, the, or the first anti-LGBTQ plus group was created in Miami, Florida by a woman named Anita Bryant. It was called Save Our Children. Mm -hmm. And one of her, her, her hooks or her reasoning for discrimination was that because LGBTQ plus people could not reproduce, we would recruit. And her whole thing um, was that we should not be teachers and we shouldn't be care caregivers. And it was just a, a huge, just a horrible hate campaign. And, and legislation was actually um, uh, was actually overturned because of her efforts, like positive legislation, good legislation. We're hearing that same rhetoric today, 40 yeah. something years later. And in fact, we, we often say in some of our conversations that we have not seen the level of attacks in our families since like this, since the 70s. And we've literally gone back in time. In time. So I thank you for for having me and also thank you for uplifting that it's so important because I don't think people think about LGBTQ plus families in the context of families or sometimes when I tell people that we still have ways to go in terms of family rights for queer people they're very surprised about that oh yeah people are I, I first of all I just wanted to highlight the fact that it's like the gay agenda all over like the gay agenda is coming for coming for our kids we're coming for mm-hmm. them we're gonna recruit them <laughs> we're gonna recruit them what are you talking about I can't even with that. But I also, you got me, you got me all speechless because it is really frustrating. You know, people, my straight friends or allies, or even people who first start listening to the show who are so shocked that we have to do second parent adoption and what you have to adopt your own kids. Yeah. We have to adopt our own kids that we put a lot of intentionality into creating together. And then now these new court cases where 
non-bio moms or parents are losing their children that they created with their spouse. It's, it's, yeah, we got a long way to go. We really we do. A long way to go. We, we have a long way to go. And, you know, look, we have more LGBTQ plus families than we've had in, in, in history, I believe. I, I'd have to go look at the numbers, but we have more families than we ever have before. And which is great. We're creating families. And yet we still do not have equal access to, to many of the things that other families do. We sure don't. We sure don't. We got a long way to go. And I also personally think that everybody's a little bit gay. So it's only a matter of time till like most of us are queer Is that what it's called? The Kinsey (laughs) scale, right? Uh, They're trying to ban ban anything that Alfred Kinsey wrote from what I understand. You have to check me in in my, my home state of Texas. At least that's what I... I remember reading the, um, oh the, my the Republican um, plat- legislative platform for 2023. It's, it's ridiculous. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors. Let's di- let's distract with this narrative so that we don't have to deal with the real problems. The, the real, real problem. Absolutely. Are, and it's not religion, we, by the way. This is not religion. It sure no. is not. It sure is not. And we are not the problem. But here's one of the points. And I want to I want to there's so much I want to talk to you uh, with you about. But one of the points that we bring up on the show time and time again, and and one of the truths that keeps coming out in every single story that goes on the show is how very intentional we are when we create our families. We have to be intentional way before we even start planning the babies. Like, Mm -hmm. so. I want to get into your your family building story, if if we may. Let's get into way back when, nine plus years ago, or even <laughs> further back, when the idea of of having kids came came into the picture for you. Let's yeah. take it back. I'd like to go maybe further than that and say that as a, a black queer girl growing up in the South, I always wanted to be a parent. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to raise children and. There are, we had no role models. I had no idea, right? I saw my family structure. Did I have anyone who was LGBTQ plus in my life that had a family that could show me the possibilities? No. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went through a long, uh, arduous coming out process and very traumatic. And maybe that's another episode because it's very long, but it led me to, to my wife, which is great. And I, yeah. I my beautiful wife, um, after I moved to Dallas, um, I'm from South Texas originally. And when we started our family building process, we, we expected that there were going to be challenges, but you mm-hmm. never really are prepared for what you do experience. Mm-hmm. And we had some challenges along the way. I have to say that we had a fertility doctor tell us that he could do the procedure, but if we got pregnant, we would have to have the baby at another hospital that was not religiously affiliated. Oh my God. We had an adoption agency tell us that women placing their children for adoption would never choose lesbian lesbian couple to place their children with. And exactly. And then even kind of aside from the discrimination, we had a an adoption agency go bankrupt. And we had, you know, I mean, just it was just an eight-year journey of heartbreak. And I also remember my my wife wanting to adopt from Haiti, and we we couldn't do that because we are LGBTQ plus. Was it the the disaster that they had there some years back, right? Where yeah, there was a lot yeah. of so we had this long journey of of starts and stops, and and trying to become parents, and then that didn't happen. And you know, one thing I will say is that we lived in the state of Colorado for a little bit, and we had a great experience there. I have to say that. And then Texas, that's a whole other thing, and that's where the discrimination happened for us. 
finally, we found an adoption agency that was affirming. And in, um, I believe it was Idaho of all places, called Abby's One True Gift. And we were, we were matched with our, our twins' mother. Uh-huh. And it was interesting because we, we didn't, we weren't looking for twins. We were not prepared. We thought we could like one child. We could, I think we could do that. Yeah. Um, two children seemed really overwhelming, but, um, we saw this ad, you know, um, I guess it was like a, a message board or some sort. And it said African-American mother pregnant with twins open to all families. And we just saw the open to all families. All families. And we called the adoption agency. And, uh, you know, we were, uh, I mean, right when we saw that, that, that ad, if you will, we were ready to give up. We were, we were just frustrated and tired and thinking like, maybe parenting is not for us. Maybe it's not in the cards for us. And I think a lot of queer people go through that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never, primarily for discrimination purposes, I'm sure. And we were ready to give up and we, and we saw this ad and we're like, okay, there's a sign. And we call the agency and we say, we see twins, but we really, we want to be parents, but not of twins because we can't, we're, that's overwhelming. Um, and it was interesting to make a long story short. Every time we'd call them back, they'd say, well, we still have the twins. No one's uh, like, she's, no one's been matched <laughs> with this mother or whenever they're matched with her, they, um, they back out. So she still does not have a family. And the third time we said, those are our twins. Wow. And we, we were permanently matched with her. and have London and Duke uh, today. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So can tell us, how did you come to the adoption decision? Because that's one of the big decisions we families have to make. Okay. How are we going to go about this? And we get to be really creative with the ways we do it, but a Mm -hmm. lot of, there's a lot of decision-making that goes into this. So how'd you get to that adoption decision? There's a lot. We, we've always wanted to adopt. My, My wife wanted to adopt. We, tried fertility first that didn't work for one reason or another and then we tried fostering and and that was um really complicated and we didn't have success there and did it you, was did you actually have a foster child with you or no, did we, you not we, even we, get to that we yeah well, we, we didn't even get to that point and adoption was the next thing that we were going to try in terms of our like our parenting journey mm-hmm. it's okay, so fertility didn't work foster to adopt, that's, that doesn't seem to be the path that we're taking. And so now let's try adoption. And so it was like the various paths of these start, like I said, the start stops and what's going to work and what doors are going to open for us. It's not straightforward mm-hmm. at, all, mm-hmm. at all. And, you know, one thing I'll add is, you know, you wait all this time as a, a queer person, as you said, we're intentional. And then a lot of times it's not straightforward. You wait all this time to become a parent and finally have that title as parent. And right when we were going to fly to Ohio, where our birth, where the birth mother was uh, lived, uh, she changed her mind the day before. Oh God! So we we're going to get on the plane. We we're going to go there for the birth, and she changed her mind and she backed out of the adoption. So, oh my God! Think about the journey of, uh, and this happens to many people, right? But yeah. The journey of becoming a parent, you finally get there, and the the birth mother uh, backed out, and. Thankfully, six weeks later, she contacted us back again and we we have our beautiful boys. So we didn't get them Whoa. when they were, we got them when they were six weeks old. After so you didn't them. even go to the birth because it was, because the deal was off. She, she The deal was off. Our our adoption agency called us. It was 11 o'clock on like a Saturday night. And we were like, we are going to go party because after we have babies, we can't <laughs> do like the happy hours and the staying out until 11 o'clock. We have a <laughs> And we're out partying and doing our thing. And 
our adoption agency, our agent, um, our caseworker is calling us at 11 p.m. at night. And oh, I'm looking at my wife as the phone is ringing. And I said, that this can't be good. And we pick up the phone and we say, you know, hello. And she says, don't get on that plane. The birth mother's changed her mind. She's not placing those boys for adoption. Do not fly to Cleveland. Don't do it. And oh my God. Jamie, we were just, we were gutted. We were gutted. We were just crushed. And we get home and we sleep on it. And the next morning, we knew when the, the C-section was going to happen. So we're calling her before then. We're calling the hospital. We finally get to a nurse. The nurse says, she's going to talk to you. She's not placing those children for adoption. Don't don't call anymore. Ooh. So we went upstairs where their rooms were. We had their nurseries ready, two nurseries. And um, actually, no, we, we, had them, we had them in the same room then. And we we shut the door. We'd already had it decorated. Their names on the walls. We shut the door. We went downstairs and we never went up there again. There's no reason to go upstairs because that's where their rooms are. Um, oh my God. Six weeks later, thankfully, she contacted us again. And she just, it, she couldn't do it for whatever reason. And she could, uh, you know, the, the what's interesting about her story is that she had three children under the age of five or six or something along those lines. And then she had our boy. She had five mm. children at under 30 years old. She she couldn't make it happen. It was It was not sustainable for her. And her her family had talked her into, we're going to help you. You're going to have all the support. And what happened in reality is that she did not have that support. And they were, they were literally, they were on their way to a homeless shelter. Oh. Uh, she, when she called us or when she texted us, at, it was like 2, 3 a.m. six weeks later when she contacted us. Oh, my and God. So I'm so thankful. And we love her to death. We were so hurt and angered. And then we found out her story and we found out what kind of life she's had. And what she's gone through. And we have so much love for for this woman. What a difficult decision. Can you imagine, right? And now no. that I have children, I can't imagine the process of, of placing them. That's absolutely, it's it's difficult. So I understand. Yeah. And she's so thankful and says mm-hmm. that she doesn't regret the decision. So yes, family building journey was very challenging and, but so rewarding now. And got our boys and they were six weeks old. And now I have these eight-year-olds that are almost as tall as I am. Oh God, my, me too. I'm really short. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was like, well, you're kind of vertically challenged, Stacey. So maybe it's not that hard being, you know, taller than you. But there's still eight-year-old boys that are that are almost taller than mama. And so I'm mama and Sherilyn is my, Sherilyn, my wife is mommy. Okay. I'm mama. My wife is mommy. Same. Mommy. Did they name you or did you let them kind of- we- we did it. We did it because we had friends who did this before us and they let their kid name them and they became mom, mom, Karen and mom, Toby. And I was like, no, I don't I, no, that's not going to work for me. I need like a, I need it to be mommy or mama. That's it. You so, can't say my name. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't get to call me by my name. That's not how this works. <laughs> I agree with you. So we did it. Did you, did you let them name you? I was mommy and she was mama initially. And then they flipped it. So oh, we weird. had the names out there and then they, they flipped it. And we, I don't know how that happened, but at least we put the names out there and all they did was sort of, sort of flipping what they thought. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Can we, um, can we talk a little bit about the, the biological connection? Because it's like for a lot of our families, that is a really tough question, a really tough decision to make. Like some of us feel really strongly about wanting a biological connection and we'll go to the ends of the earth to make that biological connection. And some of us from the get-go doesn't matter. The biological connection doesn't mean a thing. How, how did you two stand? I mean, I think I have an idea about how you stood, but 
Was there any contemplation? Was there any, were there any difficult conversations regarding that? I think there was an acceptance of you have come to this place where you will not have a biological connection with, with your child. And we, the way that we're reared, I think, especially maybe just as humans, you know, that you, you want that biological connection. You, it's important to you. You sometimes want a little mini me, I guess, or someone right. that looks like you and those kind of things. And so there was a, uh, an acceptance, an acceptance of this is not going to happen. And we have to be okay with that. And then you adopt these children and it doesn't matter. Jimmy, I swear, I just, those are, I, I don't, I feel like there's a biological connection. Yeah. You know, it's, those are my children. And it's, um, I didn't know that it, I didn't know it was going to turn out like that, but mm-hmm. really for us, at least doesn't, didn't matter at the end of the day after we, we, we adopted our boys. It's, it's funny you should say that because my, my wife gave birth to one and I gave birth to the other. And, um, I felt really strongly about this biological connection. Like I was crazy, so crazy that when my wife gave birth to our first, I was like, I'm doing 60% of everything because this child's going to feel connected to me. Like I got crazy, right? Come to find out doesn't mean anything. doesn't matter at all. I love both of them so much and so equally. Right. But it took me a while to get there. And the, the beauty about our families is we get to experience, like I got to, ex- I got to experience both sides of it mm-hmm. and, and see how beautiful that connection between parent and child can be anyway, yeah. but also how little biology matters. And I don't know if I would have gotten to that if I had had a bio- biological connection to both children. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Right, it's just- exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. It's, and it's interesting because sometimes people will say, they look like you. Yeah. And, and oh yeah. Okay. You know, and, <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know how that happens. I don't know if it's nurture, whatever it is, but it, we, we, we feel so, so connected. I think one of the things I was not prepared for that I didn't know about until later was when you adopt a child and you bring that child home, that there is, because you're not the bio parent, there's this connection period that has to happen. Mm. And I wish adoption agencies or, or I don't know who the right, you know, the right organization would be, but to kind of help you through that, like, mm. how do you, how do you build that connection with the, with, with a child that's not biologically, you know, yours and you're bringing them to the home the first time, you know, there was a, there's a process that, that yeah. goes, goes along with that. You're bringing to mind something for me because after my daughter was born, born to my wife, uh, mm-hmm. you know, she gave birth I didn't have an immediate connection with her. It took me some time. And I thought it's because I'm not biologically connected. Oh my God. And then there's that fear. Am I ever going to be connected? I did get connected. But, mm-hmm. and then, and then I gave birth to my son and it was the same feeling. Really? Yes. It took I'm- me, it was, I'm a slow burn. Apparently it took <laughs> me, <laughs> it took me some time to connect to both of my children. I mm-hmm. thought I, th- I thought he was going to come out and I was going to be like, oh, he's on my chest and this is my heart. Nope. Mm-hmm. It's what they show on television, right? Exactly. It's, like, it's the fairy tale. It's a movie thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's the fairy tale and it doesn't come out. It doesn't always work that way. So, um, yeah. you know, for all those non-bio parents out there and bio parents, like however you end up connecting with your child is, is freaking beautiful. And But it's not I'm always how the movies make it seem like. I did just speak to these doulas who talk about that, the fourth trimester and how important it is and how we don't all connect with the baby in the same way mm-hmm. and at the same time. So- I, I didn't think know that is that's, that's it's good to know, and I'm sure it's refreshing for someone to hear that because they could think that what's what 
especially if they had the child, like what's wrong with me, right? Right. There's nothing. There's a different connection period. So, right. Yeah. And just to clarify, we're not saying we didn't love the kids. It's just that it was exactly. a, you know, oh, the love was there. The love was there as soon as I had them in my arms for the first time. Right. Yeah. It, it's, like, but, like, you know, but there's this connection, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm still building the connection with these little, these little hellions. Let's be real. <laughs> let's pivot a little bit and let's talk about, um, how you came to be at the family equality council and, um, yeah. And that whole journey. Yeah. I'd love to hear it. I had a 20 something or so year career in corporate America. And to give you a little bit of background on me, I, to sum it up, I call myself a, um, a former high school dropout turned corporate executive turned nonprofit CEO. Dang. When I came out, or rather when I was pulled out of the closet in South Texas at 17 years old, it was traumatic for me, Jamie, traumatic. I think we do need to dig into that that story a little bit, but maybe tell this and then we're going to... Well, we'll do that. So I dropped out of high school after that. Oh and my God. You can imagine the, 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 the life of a high school dropout and I'm in small town, South Texas. I don't really have my parents' support. I don't have the support I really need. And I did not have a great life for a very long time, job after job or two jobs or three jobs or living on someone's couch, whatever it was. I was just in this current, just this constant state of survival. Mm-hmm. And at 21, I finally scraped up about $70 and I said, I'm going to move to Dallas, Texas. I'm going to make something of my life and my GED by that time. I'm going to make something of my life and I'm going to drive this six hours to, to Dallas, Texas and, and do something come hell or high water. And I did. And I, I, I finished college um, and I, I entered corporate America. Wow. And so starting as a manager and then going up from, you know, director and um, the last job that I worked at before I had my, my pivot was Charles Schwab. And I was a, a senior managing director there in the, the, the financial industry. So to be high school dropout and then to make it to corporate America was a big deal. And yeah. Like, I'm here and I'm staying here. This is my life. I'm retiring. And then COVID happened. And we are stuck at home with lots of time on our minds to think. Mm -hmm. And I start contemplating and my entire life. And am I showing up for the community in the right way? Am I doing what I really love? And the answer was no. And I could not believe it because I was sold on corporate America. This is where I belong. I was not supposed to be here. And now I'm here. This is my life. At, I call it COVID clarity. <laughs> and I have COVID clarity. <laughs> I love that. That's a good one. COVID clarity. I had it in, um, and about the time I was just, you know, feeling like I didn't belong there anymore. I need to do something different. Family Quality was looking for a new CEO. It all happened around the same time. And I told my wife I was going to apply for the CEO position. And she thought I was crazy. <laughs> and you know how you feel a little, when you do something so out of the ordinary, mm-hmm. you feel like what is going on, but there's something bigger than you driving you, pulling you there. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Applied for the, I applied for the position and about four to six months later, very long interviews, I was, as you can imagine, and I didn't have the nonprofit experience they wanted. I had the business experience. I, I heard that the board was not sure they were going to even inter- interview me. So glad that they, they, they changed their mind and uh, I'm their first black CEO. And in, in the 42-year history. And I was snapping I, for those. I, yes, yes. And thank you for the snaps. And I do not regret it. I do not regret it at all. 
And I knew that there are so many families that have the journey that we had and so many families that have journeys that don't end up with children. They, they mm. stop. Uh, they're giving up. They don't have resources, whatever it may be. And I wanted to be, I wanted to enable that process. I want to be a part of that. And I felt that I owed it to the community. You can't go through this horrible coming out process where you are, you're, you're beat up and, you know, from your, your, your parents and your parents weren't there for you to where my dad is like a, a big advocate. Now like you can't go through all of that and maybe keep it to yourself. Right. You have to give, you got to give something back. You're <laughs> spreading the love. You're paying it forward. It's, paying it forward. it's fucking beautiful. Excuse my French, but that's amazing. I'm just glad that we can say fucking on your. You your can podcast. say whatever the fuck you want on this That's show. Thing. Now I know I'm coming back. No, I'm, sure. I'm coming back. <laughs> you can say anything you want, Stacey. Can we though? Can we? Because we have some time. I would love to hear what you can share of your coming out story because I think it will probably resonate with many. Yeah. And yeah. So I call it a pulling out of the closet. And mm. I always, and like many of us, you always have those feelings. You knew, you know, you could go back to first grade, et cetera. But about 16 or 17, I, I, the, the feelings were really strong. And I had my first, I guess you could say girlfriend in mm-hmm. high school. And I wrote a letter to her, a love note to her about hope to see you tonight. Wear those jeans that I like, you know, things like the teenagers do. Mm-hmm. And I dropped the note. I dropped it. I didn't I thought I put it in my pocket and I dropped it. And oh the kid, he found it. I didn't know. I didn't even realize it. And the next day we come to school and everybody knows. <gasps> Everyone knew. And this is before cell phones. This is before cell phones. This is 1992. This South. is like a note is passed. This a note is passed. Like I wrote it on loose leaf, wide loose leaf paper, right? And oh my God. He spread it and he passed it around. And my girlfriend was in cross country. So one of her first periods was cross country in the morning. And she goes mm-hmm. to the locker room. Nobody wants to dress in front of her. The teachers didn't want to talk to us and we're getting called names. And all I felt like I needed to do is protect her. So I tried to talk to the teachers. I tried to talk to the principals because I didn't want her to be in, in trouble. No one would talk to us. And the 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 word of the, the you know the gay kids spread to from the high school to my sister's middle school. So then my sister comes home, and this is kind of over a, a kind of a week's time. She comes home crying. Oh my because God. of what happened. I remember my mom saying, Look, look what you've done. Look, look what you've done. And so I was, I was crushed. My girlfriend's parents took her out of the school and moved her to another school. So now I'm there alone. And the the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of me dropping out of high school, I was in government class and a kid across the room yelled the word dyke. And the, 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 the teacher acted like he didn't even hear it. And I'm like, he heard that. And I picked up my books and I, I walked out and I never went back. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. That's terrible. What, and what, like, what year was this? 1992, say yeah. something along those lines. Yeah. Right. In, in, in South Texas, Corpus Christi, Texas is where I was, where I was, I was raised. So you have that aspect of it. And I can talk about this because my dad and I are in such a good place and he's, uh, he's, he's, he's reconciled. He's, he's a huge, huge advocate, but so then my parents were like, what, wait, what? And my parents were divorced and, and, and he comes over sometime after that. My, my mother called him because she didn't know what to do with this gay kid, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he beat the shit out of him uh, in a way that was, was really traumatic for, for many years. And that was hard. So you're, you're, you're out of school. You don't have the peer support. You don't have the, the, the school support. You don't have the parental support. 
Mm-mm. What do you, and your girlfriend, the one you think, you know, you think of everyone at 17 is the love of your life. The mm-hmm. person who I thought was the love of my life. Now she's can't see me unless she sneaks around. It was really, really difficult. And so when I say about taking that experience and doing something with it for good, because unfortunately people still go through that. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I will say my dad um, and I have the most wonderful and beautiful relationship. And when he rejected me, I felt like my hero rejected me. Oh. And now I have my hero. And we had a, our, our, our gala um, in New York for Family Quality last May. And he spoke and he introduced me. And oh my God, you're not going to make me cry, Jamie. I'm not going to cry on this podcast. But he was on stage with his grandsons talking about- Ah, you're going to make me cry, Stacey. <laughs> And 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 our relationship and uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to send you a video because we 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 did a video about it. My dad and I sat down last year and we talked about finally this long journey of of healing of rejection to to love. Oh my god, I'm crying. And he was on stage at this queer gala for family quality, introducing his daughter, and on stage with his grandsons. Oh my god. I would love to see that. I've actually heard about that speech that I heard about the speech, the speech that you gave, but I didn't know that your dad spoke as well, which, yeah. is, which is getting me all choked up. Like I'm. Yeah. They, they played the video that we are document the little documentary that we did. They played that first and then he came up on stage and he's, he's so um, I think reflective about what he did and why he did it. And he goes back to his, his upbringing as this black man in the South, this whole machismo thing and religion and all this thing, all these things. And, um, but his main thing is, his sort of turning point was he had the choice to lose his daughter or love his daughter. And he chose to, to love me. And I'd say he's like the best grandparent that one could ask for. And I, my son, Duke, his middle name is Riley, which is my dad's name. So I, I, that's how much we We've come, you know, full circle and he is uh, such a great um, father-in-law to my, to my wife. Oh my God. That's gorgeous. That's beautiful. I'm, ah, I love your dad. Thanks dad. Way to, (laughs) way to be an ally, dad. Keep it going. I love a good dad ally and mom, parent ally across the board. It's so necessary. And, you know, we don't, we don't often see it with uh, BIPOC families. And that's one of the, the things that, my dad and I talk about is how can we be of service to BIPOC families who are going through whatever it's the coming out process, or now they have kids who want to have children or queer kids and they haven't reconciled that, but now they want to build a family. And that's even this sort of like, people can't even understand that concept sometimes. Yeah, yeah. How can we tell the story and be of service to, to black and BIPOC families who need to see that it can happen and representation does, as you know, it matters. Oh, it matters so much. It matters. It matters. Ugh, and I love that you're doing the work and, and, and you're brainstorming. How do we fix this? How do we help this? This is this is where it starts. And then we take two steps forward and we take one step back or or the opposite, one step forward and two steps back. But we're slowly, mm-hmm. step by step, moving this needle painstakingly forward. And it's just necessary and beautiful. And I just want to, I like, I, I want to take what you said about what your dad said about, I, I'm either going to, lose my daughter or keep my daughter basically in a nutshell. Lose my daughter or love my daughter. Mm -hmm. Lose my daughter or love my daughter. And I want to take this to Texas, the state in general, and how Texas and states like Texas and Florida are kind Mm -hmm. of in this position. You're either going to lose your children 
or you're going to love your children. Absolutely. And can we talk about that a little bit? Because I know you have experience yeah. with Texas and you recently made a big transition. Mm-hmm. So can we kind of talk about that and like what happens and what happened to you and what are we going to do? You know, it was, you mentioned, right? The, we are seeing this, this rhetoric in Texas and Florida that is just quite alarming. Mm-hmm. And it's not just rhetoric. Sometimes this rhetoric translates into violence. We know that it's translating into legislation, anti-LGBTQ plus legislation. And, you know, living in Texas, it was one of those things where you just kind of dealt with it. And mm. we live in Dallas, so it's not like, I mean, Dallas is a, is a, is a great city and we have a, our, our queer spaces and it's, and you have to navigate it carefully. I didn't feel like I could be out everywhere, but it was kind of something that you, you, you just sort of deal with. Right. We have kids and we saw the writing on the wall with the legislation that was promised should Governor Greg Abbott win the election. We started hearing the rhetoric that you hear from the politicians. It, it cascades down to the community. Isn't that surprising? You don't hear something from people. And then all of a sudden, politicians start, you know, leaning into this and being very loud about it. And people start to mimic them. They start yes. to repeat it. And our boys came home and someone said, those are not your mothers. <gasps> And, you know, we had this incident with the um, uh, renewing a passport and the passport office lady kept saying, who's no, who's the mother? Like, we both are. No, wait, there's there's no dad on this certificate. Like, no, who, I don't understand. I mean, just really rude. And it mm. all comes down to, Jamie, is that we felt the pressure. We felt that it would no longer be safe if we continued to stay there and if things were going to turn out the way that we thought they were, we didn't like what our boys were hearing at school. And I remember London coming home and it was one of the, the, the things that happened before we left when the situations that happened where he thought the president, he calls governors presidents. He thought the president of Florida was going to come work with the president of Texas. So DeSantis uh-huh. and uh-huh. Abbott and, and harm or kill Rather, I have to stop trying to, 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 I try to make that sound better, but he said kill. Right. Yeah. Our kids kill. say kill. Listen, they, our they kids do. say kill all the time. It's, it's just and a fact of it, life. I think it, it, it just, it just gets me still to this day that he said that word and that this person was going to come to Texas and work with this other person, the two governors and kill LGBTQ plus families. I'm like, what, what where are we, where are we, where are you getting that? Yeah. Yeah. They were hearing things at school. They were they were putting the pieces together. And my wife and I said, you know, this is, what are we doing? Yeah. Let's move somewhere where we feel more affirmed, where we are not under threat by legislation that is going to push us further back than we already are in the state. It's not the most friendly estate either. We know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we made the decision to move. And I'll say that it was a hard decision. We've left uh, our network of grandparents and aunts and uncles and the people who we can call on for date nights and a scheduling conflict. We don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. We're trying to build community, but you know, it's different when you can call your sister or your brother or the grandparents. We don't have them right down the street anymore. That's not there. Right. And uh, that's that's an adjustment. But at the same time, I'm grateful that we have the the privilege to pick up and move. Because so many families in Texas and Florida and other states cannot. Yeah. And we 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 hear of family quality people who are literally fleeing their mm-hmm. home states. 
to find safer places. Well, there are parents who think they're going to get arrested for giving their child what they need. Right. Um, exactly. It's it's frightening. It's mm-hmm. it's insane. And it's an- and yes, and and there is not accessibility for everyone to to make these big moves. And what do we do? Like, wh- what the hell is going on? Honestly, it's crazy. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, it, it, so it's like. I'm happy that we are here in a more affirming place. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think about my home state quite a bit. And I think about the number of, there are a number of, of queer families living in the Southern states. Yeah. Living in rural areas. What are they going through? Mm. And being a, even, you know, in the South. Yeah. Even, even though, even a lot of times it's not even overt. It's not overt. It's not in our faces. It's, mm-hmm. it's under the surface. It's little looks. It can be just little comments. It can just Uh be the fact that like, for instance, I just traveled with my, I'm in New York, but we Mm -hmm. just went to visit a family member in South Carolina. We went to this beautiful sightseeing place with, it was like a religious outdoor Mm -hmm. chapel thing with a beautiful cross, gorgeous. And everybody's taking pictures. And my wife and I didn't want, we knew instinctively without talking to each other, we're not going to ask anybody here to take our family photo. Mm. Absolutely not. Just because why take the risk? Our kids are watching. Our kids are here. Right. So it's like these little tiny things that mm. our families think about that, that are just not in your mind unless you're in our position. Um, exactly. Yeah. It's like this, um, it's consistent hypervigilant, like a hypervigilant. Yes. Yeah, you exactly. To, you have to look over your shoulders and in every place that you visit, it's not it's not equal to where you are. I know you're sort of in a New York bubble and we, we exactly. hope it stays. And, but you're right. You have to think about those things and people don't understand it. You have to think about those things. You, the, the looks, the not getting invited to certain parties, uh, birthday parties. We dealt with that in Texas. Oh man. You know, it was, it, it's just, why are we, why? And so, yeah. we moved. and yeah. uh, like I said, I'm happy that we moved. I feel closer to the work here in DC. And at the same time, we have so much work to do mm-hmm. for queer family liberation. It's true. We, we have a long way to go. It's so true. It's so true. I, I put that post, I talked about that on my social media and I had a lot of comments of people just saying, well, just let them assume your sisters or tell them, tell people your sisters. And, and I just, I wrote back, I said, I, you, we can't do that because our kids are watching. Our kids are right here and we have to model pride in our families because we want our children to feel pride in their families. Mm -hmm. So no, we don't get to do that thing that we used to do when we were dating. Yeah, that's my sister. It's fine. Who cares? Roommates, whatever that is. Whatever you want to think, it's fine. We're doing our thing. No, the kids are watching. And we have the kids. Exactly. And we have responsibility to our kids to make sure they are safe and taken care of in this world. Absolutely. And then we have to show them a sense of pride, right? We talk about... You have nothing to be ashamed of, London mm-hmm. and Duke. Or our family is is just like anyone else. And if you pretend to be something else without even saying it, they take on those messages. Of course. And of then course. now they have a sense of shame. It's a it's a delicate balance. It is. And we don't want our kids to have the internalized homophobia we still harbor inside of us. Mm-hmm. We don't want them to know about that. We don't want them to feel those feelings mm-hmm. at all. So it is a delicate balance. And that's why organizations like yours and the work you are doing is so important. And I feel so honored to have been able to talk to you and um, share you with our audience. Thank you. I'm so grateful that you are uplifting the voices of queer families that your podcast is called Queer Family Podcast. 
and that you're profiling family equality because oftentimes I think people forget about queer families or they don't know that the work that we need to do to become totally free and liberated in this country still has to happen, still needs to happen. And um, we're going to keep doing it until our families are seen just like any other family. Yeah. Yeah. Normalized and represented for crime and sake. Why is there not a two mom family show on TV yet in this day and age? Exactly. Or two dads. The other days are enough representation. Absolutely not. There's, there's not enough representation. No, no. And every time there is, there's so much backlash. Exactly. <laughs> and it's exactly. questioned and it's why are we indoctrinating our children with this get out of here right so it's, it's, it's ridiculous because <sighs> we for some reason can't want love and and family like anyone else right there's right. just it's just, it's ridiculous but yeah we'll keep yeah. doing that work until our, our families are are free yeah i can't wait i can't wait to see a tv show that i want my kids to start watching tv shows with queer parents in them Absolutely. Maybe our grandkids. Maybe our grandkids. Maybe our grandkids. I, yeah, I think what we're fighting for now, maybe we won't, I'll be honest, maybe we won't see it in our lifetime. Yeah. We keep doing the work. And our kids, uh, what you call them, Hellions? Or our Hellions? They, yeah. they will, will pass, we'll pass the baton to them and they will, <laughs> we'll keep doing. And then, and then they'll hit the ground running because they're crazy. <laughs> oh, they are so not timid or anything. And, 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 and I love that. Oh my God. Thank you for coming. Thank you. It's been wonderful. I loved it. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Queer Family Podcast. Well, folks, I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Queer Family Podcast. And if you did, if you did, you got to do all the things. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to this here little show wherever you listen or watch. Those things make a huge difference in getting this little show out to the rest of the world. And we really want to do that in the name of visibility, right? And inclusion. So let's do that. And uh, you can always join my Patreon and get the video episode dropped a day early. So you can be the first to be in the know at patreon.com slash the queer family podcast and make sure you're following me on all the socials the queer family podcast on instagram facebook tiktok and youtube and go get your pride merchandise i have so many fun designs so many different products in my merchandise store you're going to find that at tpublic.com slash the queer family podcast you can also find it on my website at the queer family podcast dot com. Go do that. Share this. Rate it. You know what you can also do? Did you know that you can also take a friend's phone and just subscribe and rate and review to my show on their phone too? You can totally do that. I mean, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, I'm really not opposed, especially your straight friends. Why not? They're allies. Let's let's just let's just get all the subscribers we can. Why not? You know what I mean? <laughs> And if you like this here episode, feel free to listen to the next one or watch it on YouTube. We got a lot of fun stuff happening on our YouTube channel. So I love you all. Thank you for tuning in. Please continue to tune in and continue to share this with your folks because the more visible we are, the better this world's going to become. I, I wholeheartedly believe it. So tune into next week. It's a really good one. I can't believe these folks said yes. <laughs> I'm still in shock. Okay, that's it. Tune in. I love y'all. I'll be back soon. In your ears. Love is love is love on the Queer Family Podcast. Love is love.